Welcome to the Self-Care Spotlight, presented by The Journal Deck, a product and brand rooted in self-care and living your truth. Hi, I'm Melissa Cousins, your host and The Journal Deck creator. Self-care might be a trendy word, but it's so much more than a Sunday. It's a lifestyle that can change your life. And in a world where we are more stressed than ever, we have to go deeper than occasional bubble baths and massages. Feel better, do better. This podcast is about getting to the heart of living your most aligned life against the backdrop of everyday life. Energy management, healing, radiance expansion, self-care elevated. Through my solo episodes and interviews with inspiring women who are just as likely to meditate as they are to curse. The goal of this podcast is to empower you to unapologetically take up space and make space. And remember, self-care can change the world by changing yours first. Are you ready? Hello, hello. So for the final installment of season five's theme, relationships as self-care, we are talking today about adult friendships with the joylist founder and author of Unlonely Planet, Jillian Richardson. Just as a recap, we started back in January. I know that literally seems like a life ago <laughs> with the uh, pandemic state of the world. It, and it, it really is like it was another life ago, let's be honest. I mean, life will never be normal, quote unquote, right? It's going to be a new normal and hopefully for the better normal. But anyway, we started in January with the self and the inner child. And then we moved in February to marriage and long-term partnerships. Remember, we talked to Lori. Then we went to redefining our relationship to the masculine. And then just last month, we were deepening our relationship to our feminine sexuality. And now we are concluding this season five with friendships like a grown-up. Yep. We're adulting over here. So during a global pandemic where seeing your friends isn't an option, you know, many of us, okay, so this is going out on what, May 5th, where I'm at, we are not reopening, you know, in Pittsburgh, the we are not into this, like we haven't gotten into that space yet where we're slowly opening things back up. We're still, we're still in quarantine. So During a global pandemic where seeing your friends is not an option, this conversation, it felt both ironic that I had her scheduled before all this happened, but it also felt timely. Like, what a better time to truly reevaluate your friendships and how you go about them in the future, right? Going forward in this new normal that we get to create, right? We get to choose. I just thought about this, but you know, there's such a a beautiful opportunity to choose what we do and do not bring into this our own new normal, right? And that includes your friendships. Something to think about. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So Jillian, she told me that she doesn't really see herself as a friendship expert, but more like a communication expert. But 
to be honest, isn't that what we're really talking about with mature friendships? So from how friendship is like dating to how to communicate hurt feelings, how men and women are men and women differ with their friendship needs and their friendship blocks to how to deal when friendships end or maybe if you feel like you don't have closure or what if you feel another friend group calling you and maybe the most funny of all of them that I that I could uh, relate to <laughs> why Jillian and myself align with the cactus friend. So we'll explain what that means. Jillian, honestly, she provides just beautiful, tangible communication techniques. Like she'll give you actual phrases of like, how could you say this? And so much wisdom. Because in a world where loneliness loneliness is just as detrimental as smoking, and yes, Jillian has some stats to share with you on loneliness, Having these kinds of conversations is imperative to us finding conscious friendships to have these kinds of conversations with. This was one of the most anticipated topics of this season. People were so excited about it back in December and January when I announced this as the theme. And in my opinion, it does not disappoint. This is about real AF friendships for the win and just in time for summer prep as we hopefully, 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 fingers, toes crossed, anticipate that in-person connection once more. And be sure to stick around all the way to the end if you want to hear about my summer plans for the podcast and a bonus episode that I have coming out here, which is always fun because... I normally only do an episode once a month, but I've got a bonus episode coming at you, so you'll hear about both of those things. And before we get into the show, I want to know, and I need your feedback in a quick 30-second survey, the link is in the show notes, if you all want a Patreon for me to work on getting that set up over the summertime. So essentially, the Patreon would be a place for us to have book club, but for podcast land. So just like how you read a book and then you talk about the book, this would be, in my mind, a place where you listen to the episode and then you get a place to talk about the episode with people from all over the world that listen in and maybe do, you know, more extra content with authors that come on or coaches that come on and have them come into the group, giving you guys extra content, giving you guys live conversations to have book club-esque style, Um, even doing like live journaling sessions where we get to share our writings, dance parties, like um, all kinds of things I can envision in there. So if that's something you're interested in, please let me know. Go to the link in the bio for the survey and it'll take 30 seconds. Just hit yes or no. Okay, with all of that, let's go ahead and dive into speaking of creating connection, this podcast with Jillian all on having friendships like a grown-up. All right, here we are. Hello, Alyssa. In the middle of quarantine (laughs) to talk about friendships. (laughs) Yep, just super, super normal, totally fine conditions. Everything's fine. 
Yeah. So you're all about connection and community. And that's a big part of what I do as well. I do it through the lens of of movement for the most part um, and and retreats. But I know that you are really big on events and building community through that in-person connection. So I know that we have some interesting things to talk about right now. (laughs) Yeah. Considering that we we are in the space of physical social distancing from Mm -hmm. Corona. So before we get into that, can you explain, um, just to set the foundation, I know you know how this rolls, mm-hmm. can you set the foundation for people who don't live in New York City and who may not have heard of the Joy List. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. Um, can you explain what the Joy List is mm-hmm. and the, uh, the catalyst for why you made it? And I'm sure you've told this story a million times, but you know, it helps to totally. set the foundation. So what is it? What was the catalyst for wanting to make this? And um, you know, just why were you so interested in this idea of behind the joy list? So let's just start yeah. there. Then we'll start into how this mess of quarantine is shifting everything <laughs> for probably the joy list, just like it is for all of us. Yeah, totally. Well, so the joy list to give context is a weekly newsletter of events that you can go to by yourself and leave with a new friend. And originally it was in-person events in New York City. I've been sending it out every Monday for almost four years now. And because of quarantine, I made the decision to pivot and feature virtual events. So now the joy list is something that is applicable to anyone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I started the newsletter because of, surprise, surprise, my own experience with loneliness. And how I kind of had this feeling my whole life that I just didn't have a name for. Like I, there's this term I hear in authentic relating of feeling missed or like people don't really understand what's going on with you or how you're feeling. And there's kind of this disconnect. That's how I felt for most of my life. I just didn't have the language for it. Mm-hmm. Um, classic story that I think a lot of people can connect to just because of our parents' generation. Like that, emotional, that generation weren't taught those skills. Yeah, that emotional um, capacity that our parents from that generation just didn't generally have. Yeah, and it's not their fault. It's right. just that those were not a skill set that we're taught. Our parents weren't going to setting healthy boundaries workshops or whatever. Uh, like I'm into, I bet a lot of your listeners are into uh, you have to even think where their parents came from, mm-hmm. um, you know, World War II generation, different things where it was a lot of survival mindset. Yeah. So talking about our feelings and those things that was, that just wasn't, I guess, not that it wouldn't have been really helpful, but that it, it was truly more like about the survival mindset, I think. So I think if you can like look at those past generations and what then birthed the next generation, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to understand and not, not pass so much blame yeah, necessarily on your parents, like acknowledging how, yes, they might've impacted you, but also to remove that heaviness of the blame game. Yeah. Does that make sense? Totally. And like, that's a process I've moved through as well. And like, just having that realization in the first place was such a big moment for me of like, oh wait, I was missing something and going through that grieving process and like all those classic steps of like the anger and the denial and the sadness and all that stuff. And now being an acceptance and just being like, there are things that I want in my life that 
my family unit cannot give me and that's okay. And that's what friends are for. That's why friends are called chosen family. And this newsletter and this project was birthed from my journey going from college, moving to New York City, realizing that I still didn't feel connected to people and just took a year of my life to just go to all these things by myself. And I just knew that, like, I, I moved to New York City with this strange assumption that because I was an adult, my relationships would feel different because I was around, <laughs> quote unquote, adults. It's like, oh, like, people are more mature. I'll be able to feel connected. But I was doing the same things I was doing in college. And, like, you know how they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I'm, like, in loud bars I'm going to a ton of improv and sketch comedy stuff. So very surface or even like self-deprecating. And I was like, okay, clearly something needs to change. And I went to festivals, retreats, all this stuff by myself. And finally found these spaces that I, I didn't even know how incredible it could be to be in an environment where everyone around me was lifting me up and making me a better version of myself. And when I found those places, I wanted to let people know and kind of give them a shortcut. Be like, hey, literally every day of the week in New York City and now online, there are places where you can go and be in connection, be in community and learn about yourself and feel understood. Mm -hmm. And that's such a gift that so many people never enter a space like that because either they're too scared, they don't know it's there, they might think it's like too strange, too hippie, too out there, and so they never do it. And I just want to make it as easy as possible for people to discover places like that. Yeah, it's truly like this, it's a curated list of like these conscious events. And I feel like it's, what's neat about it is, number one, I love you said, it's like that idea of insanity, like why do we keep why do we keep going to bars or, you know, like, is this really conducive to what we're looking for? Mm-hmm. Okay. No. So why do we keep doing that? I love that recognition right there. Mm-hmm. And that even extends into actual, well, I think friendship is in a way like dating. <laughs> oh, completely. Totally. <laughs> obviously it extends in the dating world as well. Like what kind of, if you're looking for a hookup, okay, I guess go to a bar. Mm-hmm. If you're not, then don't go to a bar and try to meet you the love of your life, maybe. Um, but I love that idea that, you know, you're putting it all in one place for people. It's almost like, all right, no more excuses. Mm-hmm. Put yourself out. Like at this point, it's up to you. Go put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be, that's a little scary, but it's the only way that you're going to be able to find that chosen family, as you said. And yeah you know, that emotional availability that our families in some way can't provide for us. It's not that, you know, we still need it. We need it from somewhere. We need Mm -hmm. need to feel that. And I don't know about you, but this is something that I have. I have, I have a working theory. Great. (laughs) Here's my working theory. I work a lot in the realm of masculine feminine. Mm -hmm. And I feel that there are two different versions of enoughness. And I think the masculine version, energetically speaking, uh, of enoughness is that idea of I'm not doing enough because their value is in their productivity. And then you have the feminine energy version of enoughness, which is I am not enough because I do not belong. Mm -hmm. 
So that's my working theory. And those are two very different forms of being enough. I don't do yeah. enough and I'm not enough. Mm-hmm. One has to do with productivity as value and one has to do with belonging as value. Yeah. And that second one to me, I mean, the first one of masculinity, we're very used to that because we're very burnout culture in the West. Mm-hmm. But that feminine wound of belonging to me, by feminine, I don't necessarily mean gender. It feels like it, I'm sure you've realized this, it's so ingrained in us somehow that we just don't feel like we belong. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 therefore, it's so scary to put yourself out there. And I don't know where that stems from, that idea of I'm not enough, but it's yeah. so, it feels like it's almost as integral part of the human experience. Mm-hmm. Have oh, you completely. Felt that? Seen that? Yes. And it's funny. I I say all the time that I wish people could have my experience of being someone who has self-proclaimed that I am a loneliness expert because people share their experiences with me all the time of this deep wound that they have that they never, they maybe have never shared with anyone ever. And so from where I'm standing, I can see that most people feel like they don't belong. They feel lonely. They feel disconnected. And like, for example, if you ask people if they were cool in high school, you will never hear someone who says, yes, I was cool in high school. There there are people who were cool in high school, but no one feels like they were cool. Interesting. No one will say that they were. Because we all feel like we're the nerd or like, oh, I was hanging out with the cool kids, but I didn't feel like I fit in. That was, I totally felt like nobody understood me in high school. That's how it It's so funny how that's such a common experience. It's universal. And yet there's this feeling of like, oh, I should feel like I belong. I should feel comfortable in my skin. And like you're talking about dating, there's this assumption that you have to work on dating and there's got to be intention with it and you need to know what kind of partner you want. But when it comes to your sense of self and your sense of belonging, there's kind of this assumption that it just is there and you can't do anything to control it. And you're like, well, I feel like the odd duck and that's just who I am. When in reality, it takes a lot of conscious effort and work to feel like you belong because it starts from within yourself. External circumstances have very little to do with it. Right. And so, and you know, I, I teach yoga. So it's like I'm all, you, you always are hearing that idea that we are one and that we come from the same light and, you know, literally like namaste, the light in me honors the light in you. And yet we feel so distant from that. Like, it's like, we, it's, and I wish I knew, I think that's a very big question of how did we get to that place of just not being able to feel that sense of belonging like like almost like how did we fall so far that it feels like that the common collective experience is to feel quite the opposite yeah and I don't have an answer for exactly why that is Mm -hmm. but it feels like the ultimate remembering is of this lifetime to come back to knowing that you never didn't belong I'm I, I I don't know if I'm making sense but it feels like that that's almost a part of every, at least every human I've ever known. I've never also met a human who's thought, 
I 100% belong. <laughs> I am, you know, like one of God's children or, you know, like yeah, I am. Like, great I, I am connected. Like, do it. <laughs> I don't know anyone that's ever like fully never questioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I've never met anyone that's never questioned their, 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 their sense of belonging and worth. Um, and I just have to wonder where that comes from. It, it maybe is just this part of the human experience is, you know, and they also in like Buddhism, right? Like life is suffering. Yeah. You know, that kind of idea. And maybe that's just a part of the suffering of the human experience is that we have, to, it's this amazing, beautiful, even though it's hard journey of remembering that you are enough and that you are worth it. Yeah. I'm feeling very like existential right now. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like um, this book, Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock. I love this book so much. And in it, she talks about, I think it was like the Dalai Lama was sitting with students and someone was asking him a question of like kind of the sense of self-hatred that they have. Mm -hmm. Like, how do they get over it? And the Dalai Lama was like, what are you talking about? Like, he couldn't even wrap his brain around the concept because it was so foreign to him. And he was so shocked that like all these people were raising their hand saying they had that similar experience because in his environment, he's around these wonderful, mindful teachers and monks and he's in this community and going from the West, it's like everything, our system is set up to make money off of us thinking that we're not enough. Right. And then you come in and you are like, hey, here's all these awesome events. <laughs> it's like, we'll, we'll love you no matter what, yeah. maybe. Let's come back together and connect the way humans are meant to gather them. You know, like mm-hmm. they're meant to come together and the, 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 the tribe idea, right? So I love, I, I love that the, the mission that you have there is truly, I think it's a very primal, natural thing of like, let's just come back together. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And, even on this um, now in the virtual realm. So let's yeah. go there. I mean, obviously, like you said, you've had to pivot. Mm-hmm. You were, you know, based in New York City doing in-person events and now it's joyless everywhere. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. I was like, whoop, big change. So, I mean, I, I know that, I don't, so I know that obviously you have your book, The Unlonely Planet, but I don't know if you, right now it's probably just like this almost like new research coming in. Like that's like lived research yeah. about how is this, at least in your experience, virtual connecting different than those in-person connections that you're so used to facilitating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'll say that I am, I'm new to this. Like a lot of us are, uh, I'll reference my friend, Mark Bowden. He, um, he's an authentic relating teacher and he's done both in-person authentic relating and like authentic relating, it's essentially like interpersonal meditation using your words. So connecting to yourself, seeing what you see in the other person, verbalizing your experience in real time. Uh, and he also does online authentic relating and he's been doing this for years. And so I asked him- like, Would that be like where you actually say, as I'm trying to see if I understand this. Um, yeah, that, sorry, I explained that very quickly. And I think it sounded interesting. Uh, yeah. Are you saying that if I was meeting you, I would say this is what I'm feeling from you or about you? Is that what you mean? Yeah, so for example, because uh, there's kind of two parts of it. One is talking about your own experience. So that could be, oh, I'm noticing that my hands are kind of cold and sweaty right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can talk about what I'm imagining about myself, saying like, oh, I think that means that I'm feeling anxious. 
Uh, that's typically how I feel when I feel anxious. And I can also talk about what I'm seeing from you and what I'm imagining from you. So I could say, oh, when I said that, I noticed that you nodded your head. I imagine it means that you're, you're engaged with me right now. Is that true? And so it's kind of like just this ongoing dialogue of what you're observing and noticing and checking in to see if it's true and getting curious about the other person's world. Right. Yeah. And it also feels a little bit like you're playing, not playing, I don't want to say playing therapist, but it sounds like that, yeah. like, did, did I hear that correctly? Or this is what I'm hearing, <laughs> right? Totally. If we've ever been in that position. Yeah. 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 And so to have that context, he was sharing with me that when he facilitates online, it's just a headier experience that it's much more kind of like, digging into people's ideas and their thoughts and it's kind of more like shoulder up at least when you're observing other people because you can't even see people's full bodies you can't get their body language feeling the energy is a little more difficult and the in-person it's easier to have spaces for long pauses and noticing people's body language and all of these things uh, and that it's not bad it's there's just differences I almost wonder if it's a it's it's more of a conducive opportunity to do that reminds me of like learning opportunities. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that if it's more shoulder up that I think of the mind. Mm -hmm. I think of maybe that's a beautiful time also to learn new things. Like if there's something that you've wanted to study, um, like a course, for example, mm -hmm. where you didn't have to be as somatic about it. Do you, does yeah. that make sense? I've seen that a lot online, especially on like Twitter. I love Twitter. Just seeing people talking about the, like all these free college courses that are online that people can take and these workshops and like I'm doing Marie Forleo's B-School. So I'm like, all right, time to really dive into the videos mm -hmm. now. Like no excuse. Yeah, you have the space. Mm -hmm. Literally like also the headspace. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's a really great point. Yeah, it's an excellent point too. And I, I've been doing, I know you've been doing like the online dance parties. Yes. It's something that I do as well on one of my platforms because um, I'm big into movement and I, I find that it's so fun. Like you still know that you're moving to like the same song, mm. <laughs> you know, there's that collective, like we're still jamming. Yeah. <laughs> still jamming. Like we have to shake right now. Lord. Have you noticed, do you think like a difference in like men and women, not just right now, but since like you've been doing all these events just for the years now, mm -hmm. do you think there's a difference between men and women? Like obviously there, there certainly is um, in terms of like those adult friendships and like how the men approach coming to your events versus how women approach it. Like I'm, I'm kind of curious, like what's your yeah. on how that is in adult world? It's funny because I've noticed that some of my biggest fans, like my most loyal fans are men. And I think it's because for men, like the, the art of friendship is more difficult and it's not as intuitive because they weren't taught it growing up. It's kind of like traditionally, like stereotypically men are raised with you bond over activities and you bond over sports and there's not this kind of feelings exchange or like as much gossip or anything like that versus traditionally female identifying people grow up where like you're with your friends and you're having sleepovers and you're talking about your feelings and you're crying over boys and that's just you do it because it's normal and it's accepted 
and so for men to come to my spaces and to see like, oh, wow, it's, it's safe for me to share something I'm struggling with here. Uh, and everyone who's here is okay with hearing that. It's kind of this revelation for them versus for women. It's kind of like, well, like, great. I went to this event. I met a cool lady. We're going to get wine, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you, so is there any, are there any hiccups with women? Do you find like where men have that little bit of a block with just even getting there? Like mm-hmm. that's the biggest hurdle is just to get there. Do you find a block with women? Well, I mean, with women, I can speak for myself because something about me that I think is surprising to a lot of people is most of my friends are men. And so I think for me, a block sometimes with female friendship is with women. I think I, I see things that I'm insecure about in myself highlighted in other women more easily. Mm. And so sometimes it can feel more difficult for me to connect because it's like, naturally I will draw in people who match the same insecurities that I have. And then sometimes being with that person can feel more difficult. Interesting. So that's something for me that I, I kind of figured out and I rarely, if ever hear a woman own that. So I just try and talk about it because like I do have close female friends and I have more close male friends, at least in this point in my life right now. I used so I used to be, I used to have more male friends Mm -hmm. and then I switched and now I predominantly have female friends. Mm -hmm. My whole life it was the way that you're describing. Mm -hmm. I just honestly couldn't really hang out with women. Mm -hmm. Um, I, 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 th- I grew up with sisters. I have three sisters and I always felt like I don't need more women. Mm-hmm. Like I got what I got. I got plenty of that. <laughs> and so I just naturally the same way was attracted to hanging out with dudes and they were chill mm-hmm. and that fed me and that's what I needed. Yeah. Then as I, at least again, speaking from my experience now, I found that it came to a point where I could no longer, I wasn't getting the emotional support. They literally weren't able to hold that Yeah, for me in mm-hmm. my feminine. I, I needed more of that emotional connection. And <laughs> I say this with so much love. They just, the video games and like just the, the way. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. They, that, and granted this was from in college, mm-hmm. you know, college men, um, that they weren't feeding me in that way. And I realized that at a certain yeah. point in my twenties, and then I started hanging out with more women and now I feel more, I guess, is the word is nourished by the female friendship, but I actually totally understand what you're saying about the insecurity because certain women can make you feel, at least in my experience, I can feel judged. Mm-hmm. I can feel really judged by other women. Yeah. Even if it's just in my head. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, she looked at me weird. Yeah. But I don't, <laughs> think about that? That. I don't think about that with men. I'm not like, he totally. looked at me weird. Yeah. But why do I do that with women? Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that just speaks to the culture I think that we've kind of created with that toxic cattiness in, in women that mm-hmm. ugh, has has you know mean girls. I mean, there's a whole yeah. movie about it, right? So, yeah, I, it's um, that's interesting, and mm-hmm. it's I guess it's kind of tuning into it what where you are in your life and like what's most nourishing you. Yeah, you and like with my guy friends. It's funny because they're, 
on the spectrum, they're very feminine men. Like they're not feminine presenting, but they're like leading men's groups, doing like men's circles in prisons. I got gotcha. like training to become a chaplain. Like they're these were the, those were not my dudes. <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny because I feel um, just like very like literally their job is emotional support for people. Um, Interesting. And so with them, I just like. The, the female friends in my life, they also are kind of in that, like, professional carer's space. Um, yeah. Think. So I'm, a thing that my therapist encourages me to do yeah. is to not judge myself for this because there's a part of me that's like, there is something broken in me and I must fix it. No, but you're saying it sounds like they're more along the lines of that healthy masculinity, mm-hmm. right? So Yeah, I'm so blessed to have them. Yeah. I kind of wish... I'm a little envious. I wish I <laughs> be like his job is to hold dying people. Like, <laughs> oh, but like I have a male therapist. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I have a female therapist, and I love the grounded energy of him. Mm-hmm. Like I need him to be a dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm really digging it. I'm really digging it. So, okay, you obviously talk a lot about you know loneliness, right? Yes. And that, I mean, that's a, that's a big word. Um, you know, your book, The Unlonely Planet, uh, I, as we've already talked about, everyone I think has felt alone at some point or like, it's just me or no one yeah. gets me or I'm the black sheep or any of those, right? So you write that loneliness is really comparable to being just as bad as, you know, smoking or drinking daily or being obese. Yeah. And those are, quite frankly, those are really big claims. Yeah. Um, so I would love to know, do you got some facts about that? Because I really love some facts. I've got facts. Yes. I uh, love to ground in. So like, please hit me with some facts here on the loneliness. Yeah. So the one that I think it's cited a ton because it, sh- it just really drives this point home that you, you touched on is that loneliness impacts early mortality just as much as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. So that's seven years off of your life. Mm. And the reason why that's the case is because when you feel disconnected from other people and you're feeling on your own, it's additional stress on your body. And so like how when you smoke a cigarette, it's putting a stress on your nervous system. This state of feeling unsupported is also putting stress on your physical state. So when you see it in that way, because at first I was like, well, that doesn't make sense. But yeah. that's why like when you're an, an older person in a retirement home and no one's coming to visit you, it's really bad for your health. Mm. And, and it, that's why having that support around you is very important. Uh, and the same thing with being an excessive drinker, being obese. Again, these are just things that are putting that additional wear and tear on your body that doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. You're doing it to yourself in some cases. Uh, and the same thing with loneliness. It doesn't need to be part of your diet or your life. And it might sound a little harsh, but like you're, sometimes you're doing it to yourself. And I know there are life circumstances where you might not be in control of the people who are around you, but feeling 
connected, as I said before, it really does start with your relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I have this program called four weeks to find your people, mm-hmm. like very big name. You're not going to find your best friend in four weeks, but you can learn the skills to do that. And the first week we focus on our relationship to ourselves And I ask the, right now it's only women who do this group with me. Um, I ask them, how do you feel about yourself when you wake up in the morning? What are the first things that you're doing for yourself? What is your internal dialogue that's happening? Because for me, like a big struggle I've had is maintaining a morning routine. And I think it's been so hard for me because I'm used to this feeling of, like, oh, I got to get work done right now. I'm not enough. I am used to this kind of underlying current of just blah and not feeling like connected to a higher power or loving on myself. And so, of course, it's going to be difficult for me to wake up and meditate and journal and smell some nice essential oils and move my body because it feels counter to the programming that I have. And that's not a thing I hear a lot of people talk about when it comes to even something as simple as a morning routine. Mm-hmm. It's like, what if you don't believe you deserve a morning routine? Mm-hmm. I think also is that uh, if I think of, you know, the, like the, the idea of finding your people and mm-hmm. we talk about dating, mm-hmm. like, do, you, do you advise people to kind of look at it from the sense of what do you want in a friend? Like, yeah, can you totally a little? Like I'll ask, cause every week I'll, I'll ask a series of questions or like journal questions that we'll either do in the group or you do on your own. And it's just thinking about like, who was a person in your life that you really felt yourself around? Like, what was it about that person that you felt really comfortable with them? And how did you feel about yourself when you were around them? Like who else in your life do you feel that way around? Do you not have people in your life who you feel that way around? And like, what was your self-confidence like when you were with that incredible person? And what is your self-confidence like right now? Because for me, both in terms of friendship and romantic relationships, the times when I felt really shitty about myself was when I was with friends who were kind of making fun of me and being with guys who I would sleep with and then never hear from them again. Versus now when like I still have my off days, but I've established more of a foundation of, Like I deserve good things. And so I have these incredible friends who are like running men's groups and who are just like world-class emotional support systems. They're incredible people. And that you're allowed to be almost like picky. Yeah. (laughs) You can't have that many friends. And this is me speaking to myself because I I struggle with this, like literally being the woman who is hosting all the things and talking about all the events it's very easy for me to not deepen my relationships and just go from person to person to person because it's exciting and fun. Oh, I love that you said that. Oh my goodness, yes. Because I think that's a thing we can really do is if we, get, if we do get swept up and going to a lot of events, mm-hmm. you can't give the friend card out to everybody. Yeah. So choosing and being kind of picky about who are you really going to give that deeper friend card to? Mm-hmm. That's important. And you're allowed to be picky about that because that's who you're choosing to spend your time with, share your feelings and your emotions with, share your home with. Mm -hmm. Um, And you have every right to be picky because yeah, you can't have 
you're not going to have a million friends. That's like people who have like a gigantic wedding. And then they're like, I don't even know all the people that are here. Right. Yeah. It's like that. Where's the connection and the intimacy mm-hmm. with that? It's, it, it can't fully happen. It, it's, yeah. it's just by nature, not going to, I love that mm-hmm. you said that because, well, and here's an interesting point. So um, you talked with, when I heard you on the Maddie Moon podcast about yeah. hair and nail friends. Mm-hmm. And I, first of all, that's a great. That's a <laughs> Shout great out to my therapist for giving me that one. <laughs> what do you think about hair and nail friends then? Hair and nail friends. Well, it's like, so for context, hair and nail friends, <laughs> meaning like these are people who you would just like talk to about hair and nails, like talking about fun, kind of more surface level things. My and that's husband, not bad. He described it on his end from a, a guy's point of view. He said, they're my people that I just go to happy hour with and that's it. Yeah. And I think that's okay. You just need to know who is who in your life. Because like for me, when talking about parents, you feel disappointed or I feel disappointed when I would go to my parent and share something really deep and emotional and they're not going to give, they're not going to be like, wow, I'm hearing that you're saying this. That's just not who they are. And so you can't expect someone who doesn't have those skills to do that with you. Mm-hmm. So like I have friends who I love talking to about like how to design an event or reality TV or whatever, but business-y. those aren't hmm? like businessy almost. Yeah. It's like a businessy, like we're talking about these higher level things. Yeah. Um, to be honest, and this is like such a privileged problem to have, but for me, I think a distinction I have to make, and I hope this is helpful is, um, like I've done a lot of kind of like intimacy work and things like that. And in these workshops, like if you're with, for me, a male partner is who I'm attracted to, and you have this really incredible connected moment. And then my brain goes like, oh my God, I'm in love with this person. Like... Like, this is it. This is the person. Like, we're going on a date. We're going to live together. And that can kind of happen with friendship, being like, we had this incredible conversation. I feel so deeply connected to them. And again, saying this also for myself, like, just because you had an incredible conversation with someone doesn't mean you are obligated to continue a relationship with this person forever. Mm. And again, you can only have a handful of close friends in your life. And like, I'm the person who will host a brunch at my house and invite like 60 people. So <laughs> I know how hard that is. And it's a, it's literally a practice, but um, interesting. seeing just like, okay, even if it's not like a quote unquote traditional hair and nail friend, like you might go to this person and talk about Tantra or like something really deep, but to say like, okay, and is this going to be one of my few close friends? Because making that promise to them or kind of setting that expectation of like, oh my God, we're going to hang out all the time. This is going to be great. Uh, I've had women say things like that to me. Of like, oh my God, like girl squad, like this is going to be awesome. And then you never talk again. And that doesn't feel good. Yeah. I've also had friendship almost feel like it was trying to be forced on me. And I don't like that either. Yeah. Um, that just feels like, yeah, eh, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally. thinking about it. I'm like, ah, oh, I don't like that feeling. I don't feel like, like 
Yeah, it should. I just, I guess I just want it to be more organic than that. But then at the same time, you do have to put yourself out there. So maybe, you know, there is that middle way somewhere. Yeah. But I am curious. I have some questions that I want to field from yes. you that people were asking. So how do you feel about, um, let me see, what did they write here? What do you do when you feel like, again, this is like the dating world, when you feel like you've been ghosted by a friend? Yeah. It's, so I have a, a friend, Sean Galanos, who teaches these incredible workshops on boundaries. And it's so funny to me because pretty much all of his advice is just like, say what you're feeling. Like <laughs> it always comes down to that. But so for someone who's been ghosted by a friend, um, I would say one, always assume good intent. Like for, I know it's very easy to go to like, oh my God, this person doesn't want to hang out with me. They think I'm stupid and annoying. And how could I ever think they wanted to be my friend? When chances are they might've just forgotten to respond to your text or got lost or whatever. Or this is, I will do this sometimes. I forgot to respond and then I get embarrassed and then I don't respond because it's been too long. So an example of a way to respond might be, hey, haven't heard from you. I'm curious if you would like to hang out and just be like, Hey, or if you wanted to be more vulnerable, depending on how comfortable you are with this person, like, Hey, haven't heard from you. This feels a little embarrassing to say if you genuinely feel embarrassed, but I have a story that you don't want to spend time with me. Like, is that true in any way? Mm. Uh. And I, it's hard to say that. Yeah, it is. It's really hard to say that. And I've had people say things like that to me before. Um, and of course, you could soften that and say like, oh, I have a story that you're too busy right now or what, whatever you're actually thinking. Um, and it gives that person permission to say like, oh my God, thank you so much for sharing that with me. And they could say like, to be honest, I totally spaced on answering that, that message. Uh, or... Like, you know what? And I've had to say this to people before. Like, I overcommitted myself, to be honest. Like, I have a lot of stuff going on, and I can't meet you at the level of intimacy that I think you want right now. Mm. Like, it's just like a well, way to say it, though, you know? Yeah. To be able to, to own that. Mm-hmm. And I love the way you put it of saying, like, this is the story that I'm telling myself, and is this true? Like, just to really keep it on, like, let's just keep this real simple here. This is the story I'm running through my head. Is it true or not? And then j- actually waiting for their response and like mm-hmm. giving them, you know, the, the space to respond to you and hopefully meet you at that maturity level. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but I had a full out, like one of my really good friends completely ghost me. Yeah. To the point of, um, I haven't heard from her in years and I've tried to reach out and I didn't even get invited to her wedding. Wow. And it hurt really bad. And I don't know why it happened. Um, yeah. Like it, it felt like something just shifted for her in her life. And I was just not a part of it anymore. Yeah. I've never been able to someone specifically asked a question about closure. Mm-hmm. And have you ever personally dealt with that? Or do you have any knowledge on that? Like, what do you do? And it's genuinely just like the friend did not give you the closure and you're just like, yeah. I felt like it just, it just, it just went out and I didn't, I feel pain from it. Yeah. Well, I'm like, this feels vulnerable to share. Uh, 
I had this experience with my sister. Uh, she has some mental health issues and cut herself off entirely from my family uh, and will occasionally reach out to my parents, but never me uh, until very recently. And in that time, like I, I sent her an email to be like, like, I miss you. I'm confused about what's going on. Uh, and we're still in a place where I don't really know what was going on. And it's really painful. And the advice that I've gotten from people is to just be like, okay, if you said genuinely what you had to say, like, that's all you can do. The ball is in their court. It's, and like for some people, I think like the automatic assumption that we all make, myself included, is like, I did something wrong. I did something bad. I hurt them. And in a lot of cases, like either people are too embarrassed and ashamed to say something, like it might've reached a point of like, oh, wow, it's been so long. And like, I can't handle reaching out. I'm going to feel even worse about myself because now I have to engage in this conversation. Or there might be something going on with them mental health wise where they're just not in a headspace to be properly interacting and like, that's what I had to tell myself with my sister was just to try for my own sanity to frame it in the most positive light of like, there's something going on with her and she wants to be my big sister and she's embarrassed that she can't be. Right. I, I love that it brings it full circle again to that we assume it's about us. Mm-hmm. I'm, something's wrong with me mm-hmm. because I don't belong because I'm not enough. Yeah. Just loop straight back. Mm-hmm. We don't even, we don't even think about the other, any other circumstances like B, C, D, E, F, G, like that are possible. Mm-hmm. We just assume the worst and the worst yeah. is my fault. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. I, I know I was actually scared to even say that about my friend, but yeah, it's a real pain point for me. Still. Totally. Feeling like you don't exist like that at least for me that's the feeling of like what do I not matter at all yeah yeah it's 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 I've, I've similarly had to just say I I put my feelings out there and I tried and if they don't reciprocate I I'm not going to sit here and beg and plead and that has to be the yeah. that I get um so <laughs> this is interesting this was a question that came up the piggies backs right off of that what about on that same breath? Um, do you relate to not being one of the, I, I have a feeling this might be, I don't know. Mm-hmm. This is me then with the attention levels. Do you feel like you're constantly needing, um, or do you feel like, let me, let me rephrase. What if you don't feel like you're one of those people who constantly needs to be in touch with your friends? Mm, yeah. It's funny. I had, um, that's me. I, I had someone send me this cartoon that hurt my feelings when I got it. Um, I think, and it hurt my feelings because it's true, was it was like um, this little cartoon dude going to water a cactus and someone was like, oh, you don't need to water the cactus. Like it doesn't need that much water. And he's like, well, I'll ask the cactus if it wants water anyways. And the person was like, oh, like for you, my cactus. And I was like, ouch. Like, I don't want to be a cactus. 
Um, and I'll be totally real. I'm a, I'm totally a cactus um, where like one good conversation a day and I'm good. Uh, and I've had friendships with people where our levels of intimacy needs were different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, also it, this plays out in romance as well, but just like, like I, this was the friend where I said, I can't meet the level of depth and the consistency of communication that you're wanting right now. And it took me a while and I'm still working on it to just accept that that's true for me. Yeah. I've often wondered if that's something wrong with me, like, yeah. am I flawed? like, how do I preach connection and all of that? And then I'm like, you know what? If I don't talk to you for three months, it don't mean that I don't love you. And totally. that you're not one of my like ride or die. If you ever called me and were like, I need you right here, right fucking now, then mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, I got you because like you're my elementary school buddy and like yeah. I love you. Mm-hmm. you know? And I have friends like that that I've known for that long and we don't talk often at all. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I don't have mad love for them. And I've often worried about myself. (laughs) Yeah. I'm deeply flawed that I don't need to, I don't feel that I need that constant watering, if you will. Mm -hmm. I love that reference. Yeah. Have you ever felt like something's wrong with you or is that just- Oh, for sure. I still wonder. I'm like, is it exactly what you said? Like, is there, like, is it some avoidant thing? Uh, Is it, and like- you know what? Even if it is, like, fuck it. I say just, it's, it's been interesting to notice, like, my, my guy friends who were the, like, men's group chaplain people, we realized the closer we got that the way we were raised as children was very similar and kind of like the, the personalities of our parents and their parenting style is very similar. Mm. And to know that, like, or speaking for myself, the way I was raised was just, like, I didn't get tons of like emotional matching. And so I learned to be sufficient on my own. Oh, oh my gosh. I never put that together, Jillian. (laughs) Free therapy. Boom. This just got real. Oh, wow. Yes, I can totally, because I I agree. I think a lot of our generation feels that, that the lack of that emotional availability from the parents, as we said, and- how, that could very easily translate to your needs, your emotional needs from your friendships. Absolutely. Yeah. And it could also be the opposite, like easily right. of like, oh, and now I want what I didn't right. get, but whatever. Interesting. It goes both ways. I guess like being aware and tuning into like, what do you need in this moment? And then this is like another, another question here. Um, what about when you feel another friend group calling? Yeah. Your, your friends are just not, they're not feeling those nerd that you're tuning in and you're thinking, I've had these feelings. Mm-hmm. And you're like, mm, my friends are just not meeting me what I need right now. Like, I feel like we're like that level that you're talking that you keep saying that word, like a different level. Mm-hmm. What about that? Like, yeah, that's really real. And that, I also think about that sometimes. Uh, and of course there's, there's different, I'm going to, now I'm like aware of me saying levels. There's different levels of how dramatic you're going to be with that. Like it could just be that you want to bring more people into your life and spend less time with those other people. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like those elementary school friends where on some levels we're not going to match. 
like our, the, the skills or the things that we want from each other are different, but we have that bond forever because we went through that time of our lives together. And so for me, an example is I, I was really curious about conscious sexuality and Tantra and embodiment. And so we're like, me. <laughs> and I felt like weird about it and I didn't know what to do. And then I went to this retreat called ISTA, uh, the Institute for Sacred Temple Arts. And it's this week long retreat. And then I made all of these incredible friends who just, they helped me discover a new version of myself that I had never tapped into because I'd never put myself in this space to play with that part of me. So like, of course I didn't see myself as this like Mm. cool sacred sexuality embodied lady because I'd never hung out with those people before. So how could I? Mm -hmm. I love that. That's exactly how I'm feeling. Yeah. I have this retreat that I'm dying to go on right now and I hope it's still going to happen in July. Mm -hmm. I am feeling incredibly called to go. I feel there are people waiting for me is how it feels. Yeah. That's exactly like, I feel like there are these people waiting for me. And is it it touch and play by any chance? No. No. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I, I feel even protective of saying the name of it. That totally makes sense. I I don't, I want to go by myself. Yeah. I was like, should I ask a friend? And I thought, Fuck no, I want to no. go by myself. Oh my God. Going to retreats by yourself is the best thing. Yeah. No yeah. one knows anything about you. Yes, I agree. I host retreats every year and I tell women all the time, I'm like, coming by yourself is potent. Mm-hmm. I've done it. Potent. I love that. It's potent medicine. I did it by myself when I was in the middle of a breakup from um, an engagement and it was one of the most healing experiences. But I was surrounded by 50 other women. Yeah. But like, they weren't my people, people, they were my people, but they weren't my friends, friends. Right. Yeah. So incredibly healing. So yeah. uh, Yeah, absolutely. I feel them calling me. I just feel like that other level of conscious connection that I really am am craving. And I think we have to give ourselves that permission to go explore that. Yeah. And it doesn't mean like Daniel Laporte says, like, it's not a betrayal of your past. Mm -hmm. It's not a betrayal of your other friendships or your past friendships for you to go explore these other potential friendships. Yeah. Is the way that I'm trying to view it right now. Yeah. The last question I have for you here is then, I think I know what you're going to say to this. Um, (laughs) What do you do whenever then you feel like you, you feel really miffed with a friend, like they really stepped on your, your toes. They said something that hurt your feelings that pissed you off, or you're like, I really did not agree with you on that. Yeah. Just something. And you just, you just totally, they get under your skin, you butt heads and you're like, I deeply like love this friend, but I also feel like I don't want to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you do? What do you suggest here? Yeah. Friendship expert. (laughs) I would say one is, and it's so funny because really it's like, I really think I'm more of becoming a communication expert. Like communication, so, yeah. I have so much to learn still. But what I do know is one practice of this stuff is the most important thing because if you don't practice communicating uncomfortable things, when you're in the moment, it's not going to work because you're going to be super flared up and triggered and emotional, of course. So 
things I recommend, like reading the nonviolent communication book, that's a really good one. Or if you're in a town that offers authentic relating, it's a really great practice for noticing what's going on and what you're imagining about other people in literally just practicing repeating back to someone what they were saying. Because it sounds, it sounds so duh, but it's a learned skill. Um, what you said in the beginning, like this is what I'm hearing or the story or whatever. Totally. So like an example of that was uh, one time there was a guy in kind of a professional-ish setting who was really mad at me for something I had written. And he was saying like very violent things to me. Like, you're this type of person. You're a child. You only think about yourself. Like all those things. Uh, And I had done enough practice where instead of being defensive and like in the moment I had enough self-awareness to be like, wow, oh my God, it's working. I was just like, okay, I'm hearing that you think that I'm selfish. And he was like, yeah. And then he kept going. And I was like, yeah, I'm hearing that you think I only think about myself. And he was like, yeah. And he just kept going. And the more I repeated things back, the more calm he got. And eventually he was just like, thank you for listening to me. And I was like, <laughs> you're welcome. And I was like, are you open to hearing why I did what I did? And he was like, not right now. I was like, okay, cool. And eventually we got to have that conversation. And now when we see each other, we hug. Because, like, we went from that place. Wow. And then, like, if I had been, like, fuck you, like, I, like, you don't get why I did that. You only think about yourself. Nothing would have been worked through. No one would have any more understanding of the other person whatsoever. It would have been two triggered people, and that don't work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, to bring it back to the friendship situation, if someone says, says something that bothers you, the best case situation is to get to a place with your own self-awareness where like if you said something to me and I was really bothered by it in the moment I could say oh wow I noticed when you said that I felt really uncomfortable and you'd be like oh and this is also why having emotionally skilled friends is incredible because ideally you'd be like oh I'm so sorry like what was it about what I said that made you uncomfortable I can give you a reason and we can talk about it instead of me thinking about it for days. Do you think uh, an important part of that though is also not pushing blame and being like, I think like, I feel like that what could happen is you could be trying to have that type of mature conversation, but then you still end up pushing blame. Totally. And again, this is why the practice is so key because a lot of people will think that they're, using not violent or like kind open language when in reality they're saying like you're bad this is a you problem this is you and instead by you saying oh i noticed i was uncomfortable when Mm. you said that like let's make this about me i'm like literally like i'm like poking myself i'm i am too i'm like poking like like, (laughs) about me about you (laughs) yeah and so like you could say oh like for like a friend if a friend's ghosted you like I'm curious why you did this. Like, I feel upset that we never got closure. Like, are you open to having a conversation? Uh, Because a lot of people be like, like, even just this tiny tweak of like, why did you do this? Why did you do that? This is a thing I've learned. Any question that starts with why 
it's not gonna get a great response because it's it's kind of like a finger pointing word that pro, uh, invokes kind of defensiveness versus like oh how did you feel when you did that or um, I'm like what are the words how why what or like what was going on for you when that happened much smoother feeling <laughs> less like pointy. Right. So that friend that ghosted you, instead of saying, why did you ghost me? You would say. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm curious. Like, how, how did you feel the last time we hung out? Or like, what was going on for you the last time we hung out? Because I'm, I noticed we haven't spoken in a while. And I want to know if I did anything to upset you. Yeah. That's such an, those are such evolved skills, Jillian. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny. These so basic, <laughs> like these are the things that like I do so much, and I f- sometimes I just forget. Also, because I'm around so many humans, and we're like, I think that I'm not great at this because I'm around so many people who their job is teaching this. Right, and uh, it also takes a level of nonverbal communication and that emotional intelligence of if you're able to be in person with them or hear their voice and mm-hmm. like picking up on what are those nonverbals and that's where like different embodiment things come in. I mean, it's yeah. like level of intelligent communicating. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, as a final wrap up question, I just would love to know what you think like are some pillars, if you will, of, you know, your, your last, where, where I heard you have the conversation with on Maddie Moon's podcast, mm-hmm. I think her the title was like deep as fuck relationships of friendship. Yeah. yeah. Um, what are some pillars of just really solid um, connections, friendships that you see um, as an adult that you think like these are some pillars uh, to, to look for these to foster, if you will? Yeah. Uh, these, so these three I have lovingly borrowed from a fellow friendship expert, uh, Shasta Nelson. Uh, she, she has a book called Frentimacy. Oh. And her three pillars are consistency, uh, positivity, I might be messing these up, uh, and communication. Uh, and so consistency, like, you're, you have some sort of commitment to consistently see this person because, of course, relationships deepen the more that you are interacting with someone. And this is one that there's a lot of vulnerability around and requires self-awareness around your needs. Right. Because like for us, the idea of maybe seeing someone every week feels like, Oh my God, that's a big commitment. The cactus doesn't want that. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh good. (laughs) My cactus says no. Um, But for other people that might be exactly what they want. And they're too afraid to ask for it. Like I've literally, I once was facilitating a circle of women and there were two women who were in like their fifties sitting next to each other. And it turned out that they both, they like, they were best friends and they both wanted to spend more time with each other. And they were both too afraid to ask for it. So they were refusing. They were, they barely saw each other (laughs) and they both wanted to see each other more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So chances are, People do want to see others more regularly, given the statistics around how lonely people are. Uh, 75% of Americans are not satisfied with their friendships. And satisfaction from friendships also comes from consistency. So hopefully that gives people some more solace around that. Um, And the positivity doesn't mean like, oh, you only talk about positive things with your friends, but that when you're interacting with someone, you feel good. 
and like you're feeling respected and met. And again, this comes down to the the skills of being able to be there for someone and being present being with them and listening to them. Just, yeah, being a good friend. Mm-hmm. Um, being, feeling seen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then the last one was? Was, the, was communicating. Um, <laughs> I think I might have this one wrong. I, I will call myself out on that. Um, I mean, but, our conversation, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like at least from my perspective. <laughs> The communication element of just telling people what is up is such a gift. Uh, and Sean Galanos, the guy who he runs the, the healthy communication workshop, um, he's at the love drive on Instagram. Follow him. He's great. Uh, he says, like, if you don't tell someone what you want, you're saying no for them. Mm. So it's like you're a... You're not even giving them the chance to say yes or no. You're assuming they're going to say no. And that's diminishing your relationship. And it's saying you don't trust them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I get that. And again, it's like, it's, it comes back to the idea of sometimes we say, like, they can't handle it. But again, you're pushing blame. You're like, mm-hmm maybe you can't handle it. I can't handle what they're going to say. Yeah. Or I can't handle it because I just can't get the the courage to even say it. Like I can't even handle me saying it. It's not totally. them. I'm not, even, I'm not even presenting them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Again, it's like, it's a you thing in a lot of circumstances. I think like, what do you need? What do you want? How are you feeling? Yeah. Rather than just making it about other people all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or assuming yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Okay. <laughs> All right. So that was good. That was good. I'm so glad too because I had like actual questions from other people and then some of my own questions in there because friendships um, and making authentic community and building connections around you mm-hmm. in a world that's so virtual and um, can feel really disconnected. I just, I know you know how important that is. You wrote a whole book about it, about how yeah. we're. 75% is a pretty big number to feel lonely. It's bonkers. Yeah, that is intense. So uh, just thank you for enlightening us on some really tangible different types of communicating and mm-hmm. how to put ourselves out there and, and knowing that this is just as important as any romantic relationship. Yeah, completely. Such an important point. Yeah, I mean, like, again, it's like d- dating, but in a totally platonic, like, and I love, by the way, that you make these events too, that men and women can be there and there's not the pressure of, I have to date you. Yeah. It's also, it's a very sneaky, good way to, to find people to date because it's like, <laughs> we're all here for friendship. It's like the lowest pressure atmosphere ever. Hey, let's like, like, actually really connect. Let's just start even with being friends. Like what a radical thought. I know, right? Let's just be friends. And then maybe it blossoms into something else, but there, there's no pressure at the get-go. <laughs> Yeah. Where there isn't a bar. Yeah. And there's no alcohol at my events also. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So please tell us where can we find you and the joy list, especially with the fact that I'm guessing you're probably, do you think you're going to continue to do virtual events even past quarantine? Do you think? Oh my goodness. Yes. I'm like learning how incredible online workshops are. I'm like, wait, I can reach anyone. My first group, there were women from Korea and Berlin. Like, I don't even know how you found me, but this is incredible. Like New York city is big, but the world is even bigger. (laughs) There's a big world out there for sure. Yeah. So how can Um, we find you? 
So the joy list, uh, the website is joylist.nyc. But again, it's virtual events anywhere right now. Uh, and on the Joylist website, you can also learn about four weeks to find your people. Uh, my next program is, starts April 16th, but on the website, there will be a wait list for joining the next cohort as well. Uh, and if you want to learn about my book, you can go to Amazon, look up Unlonely Planet, get yourself some quarantine reading. <laughs> uh, and my personal website, if you just want to learn like about me as a human being, uh, I am thatjillian.com and I'm at thatjillian on every social media platform. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much again for uh, teaching us how to connect and communicate on a real honest to goodness level. We need that. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel so good now. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Also, we can go into the rest of our Friday and, um, and feel good. Like, here was that, this is for the cactus. This was that one really good combo. And we're done for the day. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Delia. Of course. And just like that, another podcast season is in the books. But I want to let you know about what to expect over the summer months. First off, I have got a bonus episode coming at you this month, so much sooner than summer, coming to you this month of May, very soon, and it's going to be on sensual self-care. Mmm, right? Ooh, you just add the word sensual in front of self-care and all of a sudden it sounds that much more interesting. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss this episode since I normally only do one episode per month, as you most likely know. Second, I need your opinion. I want to know if you all would like a Patreon group to get extra content, perks, and a space to actually connect and talk about the episodes. Almost like having book club, but for podcast land. So I'm envisioning that this is a space where not only are you getting extra content and, and, and perks, but that also we get to do conversations, like actual live conversations. And we get to maybe even I get to bring in authors that are on the show and kind of like a, a beyond the show type thing where we get to talk a little bit more or you get to talk to me about the episode. Again, like book club style, like how you read a book and then you talk about it, listen to an episode and then we talk about it. Maybe we do live journaling sessions based off of episodes. I've got so many ideas, but I want to know if that's something that you're even interested in. So you can let me know by answering the survey at the link in the show notes. The show notes. It's literally going to take you 30 seconds. It is a simple yes or no. Do you want a Patreon group or not? Patreon is basically something that podcasters use as a way to build community around their podcasts. And typically membership is like $5 up to like maybe $15, depending on different levels and different perks that you get. So I just want to know if it's something you're interested in. Link in bio, really quick survey. You hit yes or no, it'll take you 30 seconds. Please and thank you. Lastly, uh, over summer, I may pop in for an episode or two just to like check in but again, you're going to need to subscribe because you won't be anticipating me because I'm not going to be on like maybe a normal schedule. And I really do want to take most of summer to clarify the vision for season six 
that would start in September. So now that I've said all that, here comes the thank you. If you've made it this far in listening, you're probably one of those people that always listens to the end. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you. I say it all the time. But you opening up your ears and your hearts to me and these guests that I consciously choose and bring on to have these beautiful conversations, it just means the world because I could be sitting here totally talking to no one, you know, talking into the mic. But the coolest thing is that you guys actually listen. You actually leave me reviews on iTunes. You actually write testimonials on iTunes. You know, it's, I get the direct messages on Instagram. I get the tags, you know, it's so amazing because when I started this in 2017, I wasn't even on iTunes. I was only on a website and I didn't think I was even going to make this into a full-blown podcast. And I can fully say that I am a podcaster. (laughs) I don't feel like I'm lying about it. Like, I don't feel like an imposter. I am the host of the Self-Care Spotlight podcast. I am a podcaster. And you all are my listeners. And, oh gosh, that just feels, feels so cool and so wonderful. And I like to imagine that you and I are just two girlfriends just chatting, you know? So thank you for listening for this beautiful season that we had on relationships. And and really what I took from it is that this is about creating conscious relationships, right? It's not just having a friend for the sake of having lots of friends, or doing inner child work just because it's something that is trendy that you see people talking about on Instagram. But truly about having conscious relationships in your life. And knowing that much of that starts with the relationship that you have with yourself. The conscious relationship that you do or do not have with you. And then from there... It extends out to your marriage, to your partnerships, to your friendships, to the people you work with, to your sexuality, right? And just in so many capacities. And I think it just feels full circle because self-care is truly, as I say, you know, self-care can change the world by changing yours first because, right, self-care is about how you show up in the world. So when you take care of yourself, i.e. when you have a relationship and you're your own best friend, you've got your own back and you have your own conscious relationship with you, wow, what amazingness, what beautiful connections that you're going to create in the rest of your life and how beautifully you're going to show up for others. So with that being said, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for an awesome season five. And I'll see you soon.